Welcome into another episode of the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And we'll be right back just so that we can come back and, and emulate the Sabres for a second there. Ah. Uh, I mean, we'll talk more on them as well. We're going to hit a lot of things here today. Lindsay D'Arcangelo, the athletic, joins us here as well today. Lindsay, thanks for coming in. What's up? Happy to be here. And we're happy to have you here, and we're happy to talk about, quite frankly, anything about everything. I mean, it's it's peak sports season. I mean, yeah, the Bills had their bye week, and it's probably the most enjoyable thing. I mean, the Sabres, how they won last night, it's a good thing they're not playing to bring it down. And also, I mean, you have the Sabres, you have UB. I mean, the Buttes are in action as well, and they don't get enough love. And, I mean, Frank and I at WBNY covered them in their inaugural season. So yeah. there's, there's always a soft spot there for them. And, you know, UB hoops, men's, women's, the football team. Uh, looking to clinch the MAC East next week against a bad Bowling Green team, so they better. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, mm-hmm. where to start? Not sure. the The easy way would be the Sabers and what they've been able to do over the last three games, taking six points from three of the teams in the top six and landing themselves fourth in the NHL standings. Right, it's kind of surreal. I mean. I don't think anyone really ex- – I think people expected better, but I don't think they expected this. At least right away. Yeah, this has been one of those things where you can't count them out anymore. It's quite simply, that's how it is. And this is – let's see here. They go ahead and fall one nothing to the Jets. They come back eventually in the third period. They were down two goals against Vancouver. They've been down two goals against Anaheim. They were down two goals last night to the Wild. And you can never count them out of things anymore. I remember sitting there in that Vancouver game. As a fan, I went down into one of the seats in the corner, and it was – I saw people starting to get up at three minutes and 30 seconds left, and they're still down two. And I'm thinking, amateurs. (laughs) Because they're not dead to me. And I've come to that conclusion a long time ago, not just from last night. And – I knew I couldn't count them out simply because they have the talent and the will to do it. Now it's just like you're not leaving until the final second these days with this team. No, they're competitive. And and like you said, they're in every game. And whether or not they eventually come back or, or don't, you want to see what happens. And that is such a switch from last year to this. I find it interesting that you say that they're – more competitive. They they were competitive even in the tank years because there were there were games where they were you know there were a lot of one goal games even you know two goals like three to one or four to two things like that. But but at the same time, when it got to like five minutes left in the game, you could essentially say, "Eh, this one's over." Mm-hmm. Now you can't. You literally have to wait until the end of the game. Maybe saying that they're not. Or they're more competitive is is lack of freezing. I guess what I'm saying is um, they have more. They're more able to like pull it out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they couldn't pull out those games last year. They just it's almost like they didn't couldn't get over that that hump or whatever you want to call it. Uh, this this season they're scoring those goals. They're they're making you know those um, they're making those extra. I don't know, passes, shots, whatever, and the goals are going in. There's a lot more confidence in this group. That's, That's a, a good thing. way to put it, too. And I think a lot of it, too, comes down to the goaltending. It's gotten a lot better. 
Leonard a couple Robin Leonard a couple of years ago, he was good. He had like I think he had a nine twenty three save percentage in two thousand seventeen. The two seasons ago, I think it was around there. And Andres Nielsen, when he was the backup here, had a good year as well. But then last year everything just went went, you know, to hell pretty much, with Leonard having a really bad year. Chad Johnson was worse. And so you can never get that big you can never get that big save mm-hmm. out of your goaltenders. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting it out of Carter Hutton mm-hmm. and Linus Olmark. And it's not even just one. You're getting it out of both guys. Mm-hmm. You can go into each game knowing your goaltender's gonna give you a chance. Right. And that and nowadays in the NHL, that's gonna go a long way because you've seen teams like Pittsburgh be able to roll two goalies when they won back to back cups and Matt Murray and Marc Andre Fleury. I mean, I won't. I, I still look at the Sharks as a team that can do that because I'm a really big fan of Aaron Dell as a backup along with Martin Jones. Uh, even I mean, you, you can even put Vegas in that with having Flurry and then all the other goalies that they had. But you know, guys like Malcolm Subban and you know gives them a chance. So so you're seeing you know that the Sabers are making these moves to keep up with what the with the what the NHL is trending towards and now you're seeing the results of it. And I think too them they themselves seeing how they're pulling these games out, seeing where they are in their standings and that as you said has given them more confidence going forward and saying like we can we, we maybe we are good. Like maybe you know maybe we can compete with the you know in the top teams in the NHL. And they're even doing the things that they failed to do well much better this year. For example, you look at how Jack Eichel's the first player they're sending out in the shootout now. The man was one for nine in his career before this season, and he's two for two, perfect on both chances. Eichel even said it himself after the first shootout that, you know, it's not something that I've normally been good at. But what does Phil Halsey do? He realizes, you're the captain. You're the face. You can do this. Go get it done. Go get it done. And he has. And he has the, like, how's he knows? He has a skill set to do it. Mm-hmm. Just go do it. Mm-hmm. And that is just one of the one of the ways that it shows. And another one came last night. I mean, postgame. You hear Rasmus Dahlin twice during his postgame interview say, I love playing for this team. I love playing for this team. Mm-hmm. First off, we love you too, Swedish son <laughs> of Buffalo. <laughs> second off, <laughs> second off, and more importantly, Brian Koziel had pointed it out. What was the comment from last year from Ryan O'Reilly that it wasn't fun coming to the rink? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it was one of those things where it was a very controversial quote, but very realistic. I mean, you lost his love for the game. Ho- yeah, hockey's an 82 game grind. That's yeah. why, like, for example, when the Hurricanes do that little mini skull thing, I'm not going to get mad at that. You have fun no. in any way possible yeah. in an 82-game season playing a physical game. They need to do anything they can to draw on fans anyway, so why not? Oh, let's, let's, not, let's not take shots here, Frank. I mean, <laughs> okay, you can take shots. Well, having fun. I mean, that having fun while you're playing, that happens, you know, across all sports. And, yeah. you know, if you're a team, you're not having fun. I mean, I don't want to drag the NBA in here because, you know, no, we fine. don't really have an NBA team here to discuss, yeah. but – you look at the Warriors and the drama that's been going on with KD and <clears throat> Draymond Green, and I mean, they lost three of their last four. And, uh, you know, you wonder if that's part of it, if there's just this lingering stuff. And they don't seem in the past few games to be having as much fun. I mean, because when they're having fun, they're blowing out teams. Yeah. Meanwhile, I sit here 
Like, I like, sit like here Burns and, I'm just and like... The Simpsons going, excellent. <laughs> so Tear the dynasty in. down from within. <laughs> now, can we get it done with Bama? Let's go. Chop, chop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bama first or New England? Which one? New England. Yeah, come on. Let's New England be, dynasty first. I have to be a realist. I think Alabama would be the first one to go first. I mean, come on. It's hard. It's the Patriots, and it... Tom Brady's still alive, and he still has some sort of. <laughs> I like how you say he's still alive instead of he's still playing. Like he's still, yeah, like he's still <laughs> well, alive. He's still playing. He's still forty, and the Patriots are having a down year at seven and three. Yeah, it's depressing. Yes, <laughs> that's why I'm not banking on it. Everyone's like, everyone's saying, "Oh, Tom Brady's actually missing throws now." Nope, nope. He's probably going to throw for four hundred yards. Don't say that. Shut up. Who they play today? Oh no, they're on bye. Yeah, right. So yeah, the whole on division's bye. on a bye. That's yeah, weird. It is that weird. is kind of weird and. Almost kind of cool at the same time. Yeah. That, it, that it's just the same division, all four teams, they're off. Mm-hmm. Not that it matters this season because the Bills yeah, are dead in the water. And now just the second worst team in the division. <laughs> Take that, Jets. Uh, Way to prep for not Matt Barkley. <laughs> they didn't have any tape on him. I That's why he was throwing all over the field. I still can't believe that that, that happened. That happened. It, it did. All right. But anyway, we – I As, totally derailed the conversation. You did what I normally do. It's okay. It's, welcome it's, to it's the a, Leftovers Podcast. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the Leftovers Podcast. Everyone that listens to it is used to us doing something along those lines. But anyway, it just you look at the Sabres and you see how much fun they're having again and how much fun the fans are having again. Mm-hmm. There are fans that forgot how stressful it is to watch a hockey game. Well, welcome back because um, this team's probably going to kill someone this year. I like stressful hockey. This team is going to give someone a heart attack and be the direct cause of a death. I hate to sound dark like that, but that is going to happen. Someone is not <laughs> going to be it, ready for this, but and they're going to watch playoff someone's hockey. Gonna, someone's going to die of a heart attack because the Sabres did something amazing. Yes, but what I'm saying is and someone's gonna, going to watch playoff and hockey. And they're going to – no, and their last words are worth it. Playoff hockey. Man, we have We get to say that. those words right now. A quarter of the season in is a solid benchmark – to be able yeah. to discuss what they are doing and how yeah. and what a team can be. This was around the point where I was talking about with potentially firing Phil Housley, depending on where they were. Yes, right. I said right around twenty games. If they're if they're below ten wins, I think I think Housley's on the hot seat. They're at twelve, and they're above five hundred. It's not like not like they're kind of right there. They are above five hundred right now. They are fourth. And, they're not just above five hundred, Frank. They're fourth in the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much of the, has that conversation flipped around Housley? Yeah, I. Quite frankly, it should, mm-hmm. and it really did show that there was a lack of talent there, and Jason Botchell yeah. did have a lot of work to do, and he went and did some of it. It's not done yet. That's it's the scariest never, thing. The scary. <laughs> well, the thing. The scariest thing is it's not done, but it'll never be done. I'm talking about this season's but for roster. This there year, are still yeah, holes. it's yeah. Oh yeah. But for this year, yeah, it's like it's not done, and they're still fourth in the league right now. Yeah, and that tells you that all you needed for Housley was get him some speed because that's the thing that he wanted to employ in this team was get yep. him some speed, and therefore you will get more get results. Him competent goaltending. Um, yeah. That's all com- you need is competent. That's right. Housley last year had two guys below the league average, and you saw what happened. I mean, the same two goalies were there a couple years back, and they were – what was it, 81 points under Bilesma that year? The first Eichel's rookie year, yeah. yeah. It was 81 points. Yeah. Alive until the trade deadline. They took their bye week and then 
plummeted because they lost to last place teams, Colorado and Arizona. I think that was the next year. No, because the next year they were just bad. <laughs> was it? Yep. I don't remember. Are you talking about first or second year into Bilesma? First year. First year they ended up threatening. They were a little. Second year they took the step back, and no. that's why Bilesma got fired. Well, because they also got. Because I remember, too, the team got hot in March that year. Yeah, they went on some like random. They had like a streak. really nice streak going, and that propelled them up to eighty-one points because that was like right after they traded Jamie McGinn. It was something like that, because I think the because Colorado was bad, bad in twenty seventeen, because they had that they, that big jump last year. They were also bad, like they were not Arizona bad, but they were just as bad. They were t- they were worse than the Tank Sabers in twenty seventeen. I'm not talking about that Avalanche team, of course. I'm gonna now. I have to look it up. Yeah, you do. <laughs> because I say a lot of dumb things, and I want to make sure that I'm right on this one. But either way, it's more or less the point of this is the last. Uh, like, this is probably the most exciting season we've had around here for Buffalo since what the 2011 season when they last made the postseason. Lindy was still the coach. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What were you that, doing in 2011, Frank? Uh, I was a senior in high school. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Why did I ask you first? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just going back to ECC and trying to get an associates. I was figuring out my life. <laughs> like, you guys are youngins. <laughs> I mean, that was before my daughter was born. The year before. That that's a that's a hell of a benchmark to to yeah. look at yeah. too. Like mm-hmm. last time they were exciting. I didn't <laughs> it was like over six years ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's because she's six now. It's wacky to think about how they managed to do that. By the way, the next year they ended up with 70 points. I mean 78 points. So I could see why I might be getting this confused. But I do know what this was. That first year under Bilesma, what happened with this team was in March, that was where it looks like things just kind of go up and down. I need to find that by week. There it is. Hang on. I remember. I, I remember. Yeah, it. I remember in Eichel's rookie year. Yeah, they had. They went on this little streak where they were winning games. The only streak I see from. Uh, ooh, that's not a good streak. I found. <laughs> <laughs> this team went on losing streaks of six and four. That season probably derailing what they had in them. Yeah. But I think I did end up mixing up the seasons. I was wrong all along, I think. I think. Because the only win streaks that I see here are three games in April when, you know, they're long dead and out of the out of the race. Well, I think when I see losing streaks that are woof. Are you talking about the Bosma's first year. Bosma's first year. Yeah. Well, I, I so think I think in, I combined I don't, well, both in Mar- of these. Well, because in March they didn't really win. They weren't like winning like five in a row or anything. They won like three games, lost a game, lost, won two, lost, and then like won three. It's like they were winning like five out of seven things. It like was Bosma's second year that losing streak. Yeah. It was because they beat St. Louis going into the bye week. They oh, were in yeah. a playoff spot, and then it Coming starts out with of it, Chicago. Lo- then Colorado. Then and they Arizona, were really bad and they were really bad. And then Nashville to end that losing streak. They Ugh. got their revenge against Arizona, but then they plopped another four-game losing streak into March. Yep. 
And that, yeah. That, they did not get hot in March at all. We were both it. wrong. <laughs> Welcome to the Leftovers Podcast. Can you see the esteemed people you are remember, well, working with right now? Hot, I was talking about <laughs> so. the Eichel's rookie year. Yeah, the second year, yeah, everything just went to <laughs> went to dad. And yeah, because they didn't end up making any trades at the deadline. They didn't, no. How, how relieved must Eichel feel right now? Just not, not even relieved, but also sort of rejuvenated to have – this happening to be a part of it to finally see this is was this was the plan and to finally see it sort of starting to come together where i mean i just i can't imagine for him how how it how he must feel i think it's coming out in his play yeah yeah you're seeing a guy who isn't afraid to make the tricky pass he isn't afraid to go ahead and take the shot he still leads his team in shots to like not many people know that like leads the team in shots and and it's not even really that close. Skinner's just scoring on a greater clip because he's getting higher quality chances. This team really does seem to have the makings of something special here because of how they're doing it, how everything is going for this team. How is it all working? And here it is. Uh, Jack Eichel, 80 shots on goal this season, a 5% clip. That will go up. The second on the team trails him. By 14 in Jeff Skinner. Yep. He has 14 more shots than the guy that has 14 goals on the season. So it's not a lack of trying. People saying he needs to shoot more. Well, there are chances. No. Like, for example, last night there was a prime chance he had to shoot it. He tries to pass it back to Skinner, and it's a tricky pass. Skinner fumbles it, and there's no chance anymore instead of what was a Mm two-on-one. Like, that's a moment you want your guy to shoot that, especially when he has a good shot. I think that's what people are talking about when they say he needs to shoot more. Not so much from a number standpoint, but when he has those opportunities, instead of trying to make the execute pass or whatever, you know, just let it fly. He needs to increase his high danger quality chances. He needs to just keep those right now, high danger he's chances. Just, right now, yeah, right now he's more shooting for quantity and not quality. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I would say but it's more so quantity because a lot of times he's just shooting it. Which is fine. Obviously, keep shooting it. It's it's fine. But he's got to. But it seems like his goal total will skyrocket if he try if he if he just gets better opportunities and he takes advantage of better opportunities. But yeah, no. There's there's plenty of other factors with this team that are kind of flying a little under the radar. I mean, you're seeing a great season from Jason Pommerville, The rejuvenation, 17 points in 20 games. Yeah, that's a clip that nobody saw coming this year from him. And a lot of people, I remember how how ablaze Sabres Twitter got when they put Skinner, Eichel, and Pominville as that line. And everyone's like, Pominville, really? And I'm like, eh. and it works. And it worked. It works. And, and then we're all looking around, going, "He's Phil Housley's the NHL coach. We're the people on Twitter." Yep. Whoops. So. <laughs> He maybe maybe he knows what he's doing. Maybe he knows something that he's he, he knows a thing or two about a thing or two about this hockey game. And but I mean I've I've loved Kyle Oposo this year. I think he has gone under the radar, a very underappreciated player this season. Yeah, he's still not going to be fast, but he looks smoother as a skater. He looks healthy again after that, you know, scare with the negative reaction to a medication yeah. that landed him in he, the ICU. He looks healthy this year. He looks like he is the guy that you brought in from free agency. He's not. Yeah, we we know we should know this by now. He's not a foot speed 
guy, but he sees the game fast. Sees the game he, fast. The he game still plays slows, it fast. He plays it fast. He, it's like Reinhardt. They play the game fast. The game slows down around them. They just don't have the foot speed that you'd want yeah. to see there. Whereas, yeah, whereas then you have guys like Michael, Skinner, Middlestad, who are just really fast. That conditional fourth's probably becoming a conditional third. Sherry's got six goals on the year in 20 games. That that projects to over 20, which means you he lose that. He has a 16.7 percentage shooting percentage right now. Still projects. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking that that you're losing that pick. Casey Middlestad has been snake bitten. <laughs> He's been good. He? He's got six points on the season. Yeah. But you look at a player like that generating at least one dangerous chance per game, and you think that's going to eventually go in. That those are going to eventually turn into goals. They're not going to be just, you know, chances. They will end up on a highlight reel because they will be in the back of the net. Soon enough, he, and Middlestat knows it. You can you ask him about that, and he says there's no confidence issue. He says that you know he's just got to keep playing, and those pucks will go in. He knows that there's nothing wrong with his game. And defensively, has anyone really been yelling at a TV about Middlestat lately? I've seen far less negative Middlestat tweets. Yeah, than and I have. You saw <laughs> you saw in the preseason the mess of a defensive zone player that he was. And now you look at him right now in the regular season, you're like, hmm, where'd it go? I'm cool with it, but where'd it go? <laughs> I'm okay with this. I'm just wondering where that all went. <laughs> and um, maybe that was more line mates than I think, middle I think stat some himself. Of it attributes to the line mates. But you saw struggles from him in the defensive zone, and now you're seeing a guy who is not just good at fetching the puck on the back check. He is helping you get breakouts. Mm-hmm. You have several players now. Last year it was what? You can count on Eichel to get out of the zone and no one else? Now if you've got this puck on the stick of Middlestat or Eichel or Skinner or that Rasmus Dahlin kid, <laughs> you know the puck yeah, is going into the – pretty good with the puck. Yeah, you know he's going to get into the opposing zone and you're going to be on the attack. Like anytime I see the puck on Eichel or Dahlin's stick, it's like, all right, what chance are we get in here? Mm-hmm. Like, it's an automatic almost. And it's just, it's so much more fun, as you were saying, Lindsay. It's more fun to watch this team, not just because they're doing well. Frank, what was the bar that I set before the season? Give me- you wanted you wanted to just be able to watch the team yes, and I have fun just, doing it. I wanted basic competency. Yeah. And we're getting more than that from this team. Mm-hmm. Like, last year, what we got from the Bills was competency. Competency also happened to break the playoff drought. Well, that was, like, just an extra bonus. Yes. It was. But I got competency. I didn't get a good team out of that. You knew that going into the playoffs, Jacksonville wasn't going to be an easy task. I still say you should have won that game. Oh, yeah, you should have. But, you know, maybe they get their revenge next week. Josh Allen. I don't know. But this Sabres team has given you more, given me far more than I asked for. And playoff hockey is going to put plenty of stress on everyone. And I say bring it on. Yeah. You need, people need enjoyable stress in their life. Yeah. They need something to be able to yell at and swear at and be able to just. And be happy with. Be happy about being angry at something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it messed up to say when, you, when it comes out of your mouth? Yes. But at the same time, I'm totally cool with it. 
But there's far more than just the Sabres. UB football, it's season coming to a close, and a dagger to their chances of having some interesting bowl conversation after they got blown out by Ohio, and unfortunately that that conversation now comes to a close. Now it's pretty much go win the MAC and get yourself the best bowl that you can. And it's disappointing to see because UB would have been an interesting conversation point because you have three legitimate NFL prospects that you could sell about it that you could possibly try to cheat towards getting closer to a New Year's Day game, uh, trying to get into the New Year's Six. But now, well, those dreams are gone. It it's, uh, it stinks that it has to be just one game that, that, that knocks you out of that. you know. But I mean, I get it, and I get that's the way it works, but um, just one game. You just have to be on every single. Yeah, the college football landscape is never – a pretty one. Yeah. Pay the players. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, UB still does have more than a legitimate chance at winning the MAC championship, if only because they're going to be one of two teams there. If you trip over Bowling Green, well, you deserve to not play in the championship game because they are, in a lot of metrics, the second worst team in college football. So I expect that to be the case. But Tyree Jackson has been. He's been up and down at times in this season, but his ups are far higher than what his downs have been as low as low points. And, Lindsay, I do believe I saw you had written something about I Tyree. Did. I did. I did a feature on Tyree for The Athletic yes, uh, and a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I feel like, though, that Tyree Jackson is one of those guys that you look at how Josh Allen was drafted in the first round last year, and a lot of comparables can be made in that sense where – He's got the big arm. He's got a huge frame. He is athletic. He is a guy who can make all those throws with velocity. And can he do it against, you know, players in the NFL? Here's the thing about Tyree, which I I don't think a lot of people realize how much work he puts in and how seriously he takes the game of football. And I do believe if if he is told by – his close confidence that coming back for another year will benefit his growth. He will come back to UB for another year because he's not, he's not the type of kid who's going to look at, at what he can get from the NFL right now, money or prestige or, you know, attention. That's not who he is. He's, if he wants to improve his game. And I do think coming back by the way, would be the most beneficial for him. He will come back. I, f- I firmly believe that after t- after talking with him. Yeah, and I mean, there's it's not like this season would be the last chance that UB has in an explosive o- offense. I mean, if Jackson comes back, they have plenty of weapons still that they can look at and they can continue to use and continue to entertain the fans here as well. Go to UB games next year, people. I command you. I know. I'm trying to tell you what to do. <laughs> there are people chirping in his ear. I, I know that as well. Maybe the wrong kind of people, but he's got a good head on his shoulders, and I think he knows. I mean, he said to me one of the last things he said is that he's still young, he's still you know, he got, have has one more year left of eligibility, and there's a lot more that he could learn. So he knows, um, and I I I personally think that he should stay. I think it would benefit him, and I know this quarterback class in this year's draft or 2019 draft is, is 
not that great, and he would probably get drafted higher up because of that. But I still think he should wait. Yeah, I I think that another year with UB would be another beneficial season for him. And at the very least, at minimum, the man is going to be drafted into the NFL. At minimum. I mean, if he has a down year next year, for example, that's still looking at a fourth, fifth round pick the way that he's played. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to hurt his intangibles. He's still 6'7". He's uh, strong. He, I mean, he's. I don't want to compare him to Cam Newton, but they have pretty a lot of the same build and the same strengths. He can uh, improve on his accuracy and things of that nature. But um, I don't think one more year in college would hurt, would hurt him. Yeah, and also you can try to go ahead with UB, and you know, if there are chances to add a add an opponent to next year's schedule you can look at trying to put a Power 5 school in there for the sake of not just trying to make your statement as a team, but it would also help the tape of Tyree Jackson. Mm-hmm. Get him some uh, national spotlight a little bit. Yeah. Get him a national spotlight, let him, let people know, like let other teams know, scouts know. Can he do it against a Power 5 school? And if he does, well, I'm sorry, but Rutgers isn't going to be a uh, capable tape on that. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things – he wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school because he started growing towards the later part of his high school years. And I think once, once people saw his senior year unfold, I mean, they went to the state championship, they, they lost, but he had improved from his freshman year. They were two and eight, two and nine or something like that. And by his senior year, they were going to the state championship. And so school started coming at the end of his senior year well UB was there at the beginning of his senior year and there were some high profile schools in there but he's very loyal and and he was told that they they wanted to do the same thing at UB that he had done at Mona Shores which is turn the program around turn it into a winning program leave a legacy you know build a dynasty and keep it going and he wanted to be a part of that I mean he does from what I've seen he makes the right decision from from the right spot and I have I just have a good feeling that he will do the same in this in this regard and I'm, I want to see him do well I think he's a good kid and I think he's got a lot of talent yeah and I think that you know not to sound self-serving here but that gives us another year of having him here at UB and right around the corner and being able to watch him and see if there is another step in the growth and, oh, also dropping points on points on MAC opponents. That's always a fun thing to watch, too. So, you know, sounds kind of selfish, but at the same time, it is something that can benefit the rest of the area, too. I mean, we've seen it this year that they are successful and they're filling that stadium in record ways that we haven't seen ever. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show you, you give Buffalo a team that can win, they'll fill whatever they'll seats you give them. coming, yeah. The, uh, the UB women's, they had – their season opener was on Wednesday night at home. At home. And, uh, I mean, they didn't sell out the entire alumni arena, but there was more people in the stands there than nor- there normally is. Uh, there would have been last year or the year before that. I know they sold more season tickets this year. So winning, you know, winning cures, <laughs> winning cures all. Winning does Winning brings all. attention. and uh, For the know. programs at UB, the yeah. attention is – fantastic i mean it's nice to have that here we got we've got a school now around the corner that 
just rose a sweet 16 banner. Yep. Like, a couple of years ago, I would have laughed at someone That'd that said— That'd be a dream. Yeah. I would have laughed at someone for saying that. We have a team that's ranked in the—both teams are now ranked in the top 25. I don't but, know if UB Women's is yet. Well, they should be. <laughs> but I'll tell you what <laughs> they do have. The Sweet 16 shouldn't be anything to scoff at. They have Sierra Dillard, who is already, you know, in the running for Naismith Player of the Year. Only, only, only player who's from a mid-major school. I mean, that's incredible to me. Uh, just the national attention that uh, Coach Jack, um, Felicia Legat Jack, is bringing to the area. And, again, uh, they come in, these coaches have come in with a primary goal of turning things around in the area, turning those programs into long-lasting dynasties, and, and building legacies. That's Man. what we've needed. We have Coach Leopold, who's doing it with football. Um, we have Coach Jack, who's doing it with the uh, women's team. And then you have uh, the UB men's team coach, Nate. Nate Oates, yeah. Nate Oates. He's doing it with the men's team. Hey, first off, national people, get your head on straight. UB should have more than one vote in the women's poll. Mm. Come on. Let's go. Figure well, it out. Figure it, it out. The interesting thing is they play the Oregon Ducks today, who in Oregon's number, they're number three. three. And that's yeah. going to be a huge And they're the only test. other team with a first-place vote. Yeah. Oh, boy. So we, we'll see – We'll see what happens. That that's at five o'clock today, so we'll see what unfolds there. Um, but you know, I I think UB's team they're good. They have Dillard. They have other players. They're also young. That might be their only Achilles heel this year. And they uh, they start slow. They're only two games into the season, but they start slow and then they usually pick it up in the second half. They can't they can't do that against Oregon. I, I, by the way, I love Felicia Legat Jack. That, Isn't she great? That woman makes me want to run through a brick wall every time <laughs> I hear her talk. You be like, She is awesome. She's so motivational. She's intense, and it's just amazing to see it anytime. Like it's pretty great. You, <laughs> you see one call go against, the, go against the Bulls, and she is up someone's case right away. And it's amazing to see it. It's amazing to hear it. It's just like, oh yes, I love how. Like I just love how, not just feisty, but. Like in command she is with everything, but she's not one of those like she's not one of those college coaches where like the ones that I hate that they're like so full of themselves. Oh yeah, and they just boss around kids to, and get paid to do it. No, she like anytime like she has to pull someone out, she will talk with them extensively. You know, try to help calm them down, get them back to their game, or you know, find a way to hype them up to get their confidence back. Like. There's Master a lot motivator. of respect between her and the players. And some of the players who I've spoken to have told me the reason they chose to come to UB is because of Coach Jack, is because of the the, the relationship she has with her players. It's a, it's a mutual respect. Yeah, and it's, it's something that in college sports is one of the most refreshing things that you can see. Mm -hmm. And you see it with Coach Jack, and you see it with Coach Oates, and with Coach Leipold, like all – all it is is like you're seeing these guys and and girls that are willing to play for the coach like that and i mean we just saw one of the most ridiculous things this past week with ed oliver at houston uh, a coach goes to try to physically take a coat off of a man because he's not active on the roster for the day because he's injured like come on what we have uh <laughs> who was it i think it was baylor the coach at baylor is like you know grabbing the face mask of one of his Kids, like, I'm sorry, but if that was me, the only thing you're catching is not my attention. You're catching these hands, and I'm getting kicked <laughs> off the team because you don't touch me. Like, come on. Like, I'm a, I'm a person. And 
like that's that's the one thing I hate most about college football, and I still hate that the players don't get paid a lot. Oh yeah, that's, but I hate that. It's a whole other podcast. So much more. Yeah, <laughs> I just hate that other aspect so much more. Like college coaches, get over yourselves. And anytime you see a college coach flop, for example, in the NFL, and you see why, it's because well, those are grown men, and they're not they're not college students that you're getting to tell what to do anymore. Those people make more money than you do. <laughs> Some of them do. Well, that's why it's so exciting that we have three really good coaches here at UB right now. And I want them all to be able to stay. Yeah, and that's the thing. You ho- and Coach Jack says she's in it for the long haul, and I I believe her. I, I feel don't, like she's that kind of person that yeah. would stay around for that because she know. likes what she's building here and she wants to see it come to fruition. So I, I don't have any worries about her going. Um, and you hope you hope NATO state sticks around, and and we'll I, I will see. But you know you want them to start doing this, but then you want them to stay and cultivate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we can't afford to pay the big money that they would get it. You know, a, a big time, like a Kansas or a Syracuse a, yeah, or a UConn or you know, like things like that. Nate, Nate Oates seems like he's he's gonna stay for the long haul too. A- again, it's about what they've been building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they want to be able to see that through to the end. And unless they are given an absurd kind of contract, oh yeah, from another school. Which, by the way, college sports that could happen. Well, then they it, still want to see it through to the end. It, it then it becomes. You know, well, is it about the money or is it about what you set out to accomplish here? I mean, I understand it could be about both, but if you have a certain goal, you know, maybe down the road Coach Jack leaves when she feels, okay, I've, I've done what I came here to do. And like a steady pipeline yeah, every year. And pass then, it, pass and then, it along, yeah. yeah and and you have an assistant that you've go. groomed, yeah. Because yeah. she told me, I actually did a feature on her over the summer, and she said, I go where I feel needed. And I stay for as long as I feel needed, hmm. and I I think she still feels needed here to uh, to do what she's doing. I'm gonna take care of this. We need you here forever, Coach Jack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how'd that do? <laughs> Did you, it work? UB women's team also plays Stanford later in the yeah. year. Oh man, yeah, they got some big big opponents. Cup, yeah, a couple go. top tens. Right, let's opponents. go. Yeah, I'm I'm for it. You get you give both of them games, and you win you win the rest of your schedule. If those are your only two losses. By the time like the MAC tournament starts, they definitely are ranked. I, you know what, I'll say it. Um, in the same way that I thought about the Sabers these last three games facing Tampa, Winnipeg, and Minnesota, if I can get a win out of one of those two games between Oregon and Stanford, that's good enough. Yeah, yeah. That's, I don't, I don't massive. know how good Stanford is this year. I, right now, they're ranked seventh. Well, yeah. And they're, I mean, so they're like three and zero oh and. And it would be a challenge for Oregon out there in the Pac-12 as well. So yeah, that's a pre- that would be a prestigious win, and oh, we've already a seen a UB win. school take an early season win against a top-ranked school. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw the Benz team take down West Virginia in <laughs> exhilarating fashion. I mean, Coach Nate Oates was on uh, on our airwaves the next day, and he said, oh, "Can you imagine what happens when we get back to being able to hit our shots?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, too. So when UB women's played Niagara at home on Wednesday night, Niagara is not a good team. I mean, they've gotten blown out in their first two games. I think Bonnie Bonnie's beat them by, like, 40 points, Ugh. and they got beat by 
Iowa State by like 60 points. And so in the first half, they were back and forth, back and forth. It was like 30-something, 30-something in the, in the, by the end of the first half. And I was like, this is not good. Because if they're going to be playing these bigger programs, you know, you need to sort of be on par. And they weren't hitting their, their shots. I mean, that was the main thing. So they come out in the second half. Dillard hits a three. Comes back down the court the very next play. Hits another three. And it's almost like it, like, infected the rest of the team, like, with her confidence because then everything they were throwing up went in. Yeah, both UB teams, it seems like they, they live by the three, they die by, by the three. three. Yeah, and then they ended up beating them 88-61, which, I mean, it's only, like, a 20-point margin comparatively. I don't know why Niagara always gives them trouble. but well, Big four basketball will do that to you. Yeah, but they uh, they still, they, they pulled away, like – and they won with enough of a, a gap, I think, as, as people expected them to. But they can't start slow this afternoon. Yeah. Against Oregon. No, no, it's so. that's a whole nother story. And I, I'm I'm sure that they'll be up to the task for that. I, I think that they can they can give the Ducks a game at minimum. So, or at least I'm hoping for that. I hope so too. So, the but again, it's just it's fun to see that not just you know not just with UB like Big Four basketball last year was at a premium. You saw all four teams looking promising, and then you saw Canisius, Niagara, and the two of them just bomb it in the uh, Metro mm-hmm. tournament. And then, you know, Bonaventure, unfortunately, gets smoked in the first round. The same night, though, that you see UB destroy Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> that was great. That was, a, uh, oh, that what was a night. an amazing night because, I mean, we're, we're getting down quickly about Bonaventure, and then the next thing you know, the Bulls are dropping threes on Arizona like no tomorrow, and we're just like, they're going to win this. This isn't even like – I don't even know if there's drama in this. This is just awesome at this point. I mean, I know there's still plenty of season left to play, but it will, it's going to be interesting to see where they're going to be ranked. I mean, I'm hoping they'll make it back to the NCAA tournament. I have a feeling they will. Yeah. But come that time, you know, If they could stay in the top 25, yeah. that's one way to get in an at-large bid. Yeah. That's definitely one way to do it. So if they're going to do it, well, sticking around there will be one case for you. Yeah. Um, but my big thing is, is that, that that West Virginia win was a statement saying, we're still here. Yeah. And Like we haven't gone anywhere. We haven't gone anywhere. Last the, March was fluke. not a fluke. Last year was not a fluke. We hung with yes. Kentucky. We drilled Arizona. You best remember us. And that's just – that's probably the most refreshing thing we're, from that win was we're coming back. We're here. Yeah, we haven't left, and now you better recognize. So now I hope the UB women can have that sort of a statement here. Hey, we made the Sweet Sixteen last year, mm-hmm. where we ha- we haven't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. We just beat Oregon. You better recognize it. And if that were to happen, well, I think they're getting more than one vote in the polls. Yeah, the the only difference there is they lost uh, some valuable seniors last year, mm-hmm. and they're a much younger team. But if they can figure it out, they're you know they're quick, they're really scrappy on defense, and if uh, if they could figure it out just to get out of this slow start, um, they're going to be competitive. And it's with with the bigger yeah. schools. It's fun to be able to. Ha- and by the way. Buffalo fans, we're giving, we're throwing everything at the table here for you. I mean, you don't have to worry about the Bills this year. I mean, I'm already looking at the draft. I already <laughs> talked with two people over the weekend on the draft from hosting a couple shows this week. Um, 
by the way, if, you, if you're looking at the draft, uh, I hate to say it, but let's watch some Alabama football because Jonah Williams apparently is the real deal as an offensive lineman. He can play tackle or guard. Uh, I'm excited for that. And it's not sexy, but who cares? <laughs> this is this is a substance it's draft what's for them. Needed. That's going to be a substance draft for them. Yeah, it's why, gonna, why, is, why did people get mad if, if you draft a, a, an offensive lineman in the first round? I mean, it's not offensive a, not line a sexy defensive pick. Line. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a sexy, sexy pick. but it's – That's you know what, what people want, though. That They want the sexy pick. They want the flashy. And yeah. yeah, but who do you get married to? Do you get married to the sexy chick who kind of flames out after, you know, a few dates? Or do you go with a pretty girl who's got a nice job and, like, you know, if you're looking for something long-term? Do some right? guys – it's the sexy one. <laughs> I know. Who am I talking to here? And that's how you draft a bust, Frank. <laughs> exactly. Come on. Aaron Maven. But how many broken relationships have we had? I might hurt you. <laughs> I don't we, we, Yesterday, Kyle played Dominic the Donkey on the air, and I wanted to punch him then. And I don't know if it was a faster reaction with me here or with him. <laughs> you bring up Aaron Maven. Ugh. I, fun fact for you, Lindsay. I threw a pizza at the TV when I, when they drafted Aaron Maven. Really? Yes. I wasted a pizza slice. It was. That's how mad I was. I was I've never gotten that angry over. The only I was one, also a child. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I was in sense. high school, but at the same time, I was so mad. I was in high school, you know. Manual was the one I was most irritated at. I just didn't understand that at all. Yeah. That we. That's a different podcast. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we we could talk about draft busts all day, and have plenty of content for like a series. Mm-hmm. Frank, write that down. We might have a series. <laughs> <laughs> Just bringing a different guest every every show for a series of draft each team. busts. School over each team. Yep. There you go. Ugh. Woof. But yeah, no, we're we're offering plenty of alternatives here for for the Bills, and there's also the one that uh is a defending champion. I mean, Frank and I covered the Buttes in the NWHL in their yep. inaugural season at Harbor Center, and now it is a fan base. It's a rabid one. They sell all the jerseys and everything in the Sabres store, and first off, I love that they do that, and they include the Buttes in a lot of the promotions. But what's up with them lately? They've lost three straight. Yeah. You know what? Part of it is is the fact that their games have been so spread out their home yeah. their home opener was back i, I want to say november 3rd they it looks like their games this year october 7th then 13th Oc- was it october th- yeah it was october 7th at connecticut but then october 13th was their home opener yeah it was against 13th. connecticut okay i was way off they swept connecticut but then they lost twice to minnesota they lost to boston they faced them again today uh hopefully they can get back to 500 there and like you see them sign Shannon Zabatos. I mean, the mo- the last thing I had seen from her, unfortunately, was uh, getting deked out of her jock in a gold medal game. But you knew who, like people who followed that tournament in the Olympics, knew who she was. Oh, she's she's and, arguably the best goalie in the world. Yeah, yeah, arguably the best goalie in the world. And you're just looking at that and go, wait, she's here. Like yeah. Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty badass. It is pretty badass. <laughs> Especially yeah. that and she's only played in men's leagues. One of the things she her mm. learning curve, she said it was is a different way that women play than men. And how I mean hockey's hockey, but there's a, a different way the game is played um with women and just um shooting, things like that. And it's almost like her timing. Timing's off. Is a bit. off. Yeah. 
and that would she's make used sense. to the faster pace. Yeah, not just a faster pace, but also, I mean, it is a more physical game. Yeah, I mean, a lot yeah. more crashing, a lot more jostling, a lot more, you know, sometimes dirty play with the sticks and everything like that in front of the net, and that's going to happen. But in in the NWHL, the rules are tuned to a different way, and you know, it, it is what it is. Like hockey is still hockey, and she will end up getting it if she, she is good enough she it, will i yeah. mean poor comparison here but it's like asking someone who's played in in college for example to play for our trash team in barley um the speed's off and it's not necessarily that they're worse because of it it's just that you know they're not used to the slower speed mm-hmm. they're not used to having it be a little more lax they're, they're not used to the lack of talent and i say that as that part of the comparison I love um, to test out this theory. Yeah, let's. <laughs> that means you're not playing a game, Frank. But you know, but well, at the same time, I stand by. She still has played against the best in the world. Yeah, oh, in yeah. the Olympics. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you know, it will come back to her. Yeah. I do believe. I do too. And like I said, part of the I was at their home opener, and they looked they looked unbeatable. The way they crushed Connecticut. Now, obviously, Connecticut is is not one of the best teams in the league right now. I think. I feel like Connecticut's I, had a lot of I problems. I think they're lately. last. Yeah, yeah, they're last. They were last last year too, and it's um, just like they—they're kind of a team without a, a bit of a direction. Like, uh, yeah, they're a team yeah. without a direction, a team without a compass, and it just—it's unfortunate to see that. What I was excited to see is the the Buttes play the Whitecaps in Minnesota. They had, um, you know, a few weekends ago they went there for a doubleheader and they lost both, but only by one goal. I mean, they're getting their shots. They're just not going in the net. They pretty much had the same amount of shots. And then you look at Minnesota, who's 6-0 and right now. They, Yeah, they're really good. But part of the reason is their players, the Whitecaps were a team that's been around before they joined the NWHL. They've, mm-hmm. they've been a team that's just played um, competitively. It's, it was started by a former um, Olympic a uh, hockey player who wanted to continue her career after college, and so that's where this team began. Nice. So they've played together. They've been oh. playing together. So they have things so this down. Is a veteran team. So yeah, the, yeah. So you're looking at the Buttes, and you know there are some new pieces this year. The people who have come from other teams. We, we got two two new goalies. There's still a lot of things I think that are trying to come together. Uh, but I do think they'll figure it out. And I and I think the the lack the way the schedule works. There's such yeah, so the games are so spaced out, and I think the lack of consistency hurts them. But if you talk to uh, head coach Rick Sealing, he'll tell you that you know just they're just they're they're waiting to sort of come and 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 just start figuring it out. Um, they're what are we four games into the season? This will be their fifth this afternoon. They're playing the Boston Pride again. Yeah, Boston. So, it's always been a yeah. Boston's got a pretty good a good team. team. So, you know, I just – I still think they'll be competitive, and and I do think when they do play at home, they're, they're a different team because they thrive off of that crowd. Yes. So, we'll and see. It's a, it's a nice crowd that they have there, It too. is. They, they – their season opener, I think they tripled the amount of people in the stands that they did uh, the year ago. At least that's what Nick Fatty, the general manager, yeah. told me. No, that's that's incredible to see that kind of. It was it was pretty packed. More to the more yeah. to the point of, if you give Buffalo a team that can put up some excitement and get you some wins, they will pack the stands for mm-hmm. you. And if you can give, especially with what has happened with 
the Sabres, for example, over the past five years, you give them a hockey team that was at least competent, and they will fill the seats for mm-hmm. you because they were forever grateful for that. You looked at a team that uh, in the NHL was splitting their fan base because of a tank, and the Buttes show up, and then people are like, hockey team that's trying to win i'm in (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're two and three right now they're still trying to figure it out it's entertaining hockey either way and that's the other thing is that it is entertaining it's free-flowing it's offensive chances galore Mm -hmm. and if you haven't tried checking one of those out i highly suggest it and seeing sabato's play in uh in person is is a treat i've I've got to watch her practice like because you know we happen to play at harbor center and i've gotten to watch them practice and I could see, like, how skilled she is even at a practice. I'm just like, I'm taking the time right now to just appreciate this. I'm not, I'm here too early, and I don't care. I'm just going to – I'm going to take an abuse practice. Why not? Yeah. And it, it's, it's awesome to see that, you know, they can get that kind of a high-profile talent into this league. And that's hopefully a good thing for this league. Um, I've had my questions about can they sustain it. Um, would there be a possible merger with the CWHL? Uh, those are things that have been questions in my mind because, you know. I think those are questions we all have, and it would be beneficial for the players and the league itself if they were to combine. They could afford to pay better salaries uh, and expand fan bases. So I've heard that Danny Ryland, the com- the – commissioner the woman who started the nwhl is considering it they're in talks but nothing's really come of it so i think it's just something you know to keep an eye on but it would be it would be beneficial overall if if they want the nwhl to keep growing and and to be sustainable something's going to have to happen and i mean even the cwhl they have a team in china um i'm pretty sure travel costs are not necessarily (laughs) what i would call a good thing there and it just it makes me think that it would make even more sense having one league have a team in China, the other has five teams, and you want to see more games on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. Plus variety for the players. I mean, you end up playing the same three or four teams, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a handful of times each year. It starts to get a little... Create divisions and see yeah. what the alignment looks like, and that would be something cool yeah. to watch out for. And then you can get, you can get the uh, NHL teams to help out with more of the fan base and try to get more people engaged in the sport and more people watching as a as a possible combined league would be there that would yo let's make these things happen yeah yeah there's ideas where's where's my money to say these things (laughs) and uh make it happen all right all right just pay me uh uh, pay me up a a million bucks the only thing that would keep it from happening is ego egos you know ego is dangerous so unfortunately unfortunately ego is dangerous i mean not with me or frank (laughs) <laughs> no, you guys don't seem like I, uh I make fun of myself videos. all the time. <laughs> Mostly because I deserve it, and I say stupid it's true. things. I mean, I was once paid to say the word pudding out of context. No reason. That happened. Yep. Do I do I dare ask? I just wanted to say something stupid because I get jealous that Skip Bayless gets mil- millions of dollars to say something stupid. Oh yeah. So I just went with the first thing that came to my head, and I don't it know why pudding. it was that. I broke Frank. Uh, <laughs> I was laughing. We had to stop recording. <laughs> I was laughing. So I lost it. So, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's not even the dumbest thing I've said. I, on record, la- one year ago, said it was a good idea to put Nathan Peterman in. You did. <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> what did the coaches see during preseason that gave them so much confidence in him? He obviously performed different in practice. He's one of those. He's just not a gamer, it looks yeah. like. Yeah. Then yeah. when you get out for the actual game, it's like you're skittish. You just are throwing checkdowns completely. You're not looking to the left side of the field at all. I think the Bills broke him. <sighs> they broke him. They broke him by throwing him in against a team out west with a great pass rush. And, you know, like the people that were saying, like, hey, we should start Matt Barkley still. And I think head coach Sean McDermott made the right call saying, we're starting Josh Allen if he's healthy. Well, that's what people he's don't, People don't remember something. The Jets don't have a pass rush. Right. There's a reason he looked that good. And, for example, when Allen looked good against Minnesota, yeah, they have Danielle Hunter who leads the league in sacks, but they didn't have Everson Griffin. They had some injuries along the D-line, so they only had one guy to key on. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, the Bills hang 27. Starting to notice a pattern here. People don't remember that pattern. So you're not getting it against Jacksonville. That's going to hurt. I hope that Josh Allen is at least 100% before that so that if he does get hit, because he's going to get hit, that he's okay. I'm done with the Bills. (laughs) (laughs) Done with the Bills there. Um, Sabres play three times this week. That's going to be interesting. The Buttes get to come home next on December 8th against Connecticut. i got the schedule right there in front of me. Ooh, they get – I'm not seeing this right. I am seeing this right. Are you seeing this right? They play six straight home games. I told you the schedule is weird. <laughs> the schedule is weird. I wanted to make sure I was seeing that right. And yeah. it's and then they're all spread out. To be fair, they've also played four of their first five away from Harbor Center, right. away from Buffalo. So this is going to be their chance to make it up. By the way, they get a Key Bank Center game. Yeah. On December 29th. That's going to be cool. So let's try to fill that in, fans. Let's, let's try to fill Hell that yeah. game up. We're going to start that petition right now. We're going to try to fill that game up. So, Lindsay, thank you for coming in. Thank you for talking all things with us. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And that's what we try to do here. I mean, we're not we're not in it for the money. We're here to have fun. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how it goes. Thank you out there for listening on to the Leftovers podcast. Derek Kramer. I'm Frank R. Curry. And you've been listening on demand at WGR550.com and through the Radio.com app. Sabres have three games this week. UB looks to clinch the MAC East against Bowling Green. Then they get the MAC Championship after that. And then you've got the basketball season starting up. I don't have the schedules in front of me. I'm sure they're at least playing, each playing this week, hopefully at Alumni Arena. Get out there and watch some sports. It's peak season. Let's get at it. And, well, if you're, if you're, if you're willing to, take in a Sabres game. It's not for the faint of heart anymore.